never wanted to be in a fancy metropolitan broadcast facility where the most thought-provoking thing within view is an occasional four-car pileup on the freeway below. We like being miles from nowhere, in the middle of a vineyard that cannot be seen from the little two-lane road on the other side of that rise. Our barn has awesome acoustics and was built with hand tools over a hundred years ago. Nonetheless, we've got some really state-of-the-art broadcast technology inside. And our wine cellar wants a root cellar that is absolutely packed with wine we've collected or been given by friends. Welcome. You have just set foot on Grape Encounters Radio property, where we don't believe in no trespassing signs. But let's make this our little secret. Oh, and that wine is protected by the sweetest-looking golden retriever who dated a Doberman for a while, so don't get any ideas. Hey, it's time for your weekly Grape Encounter, and we have a very special edition of Grape Encounters this week, as we are on the road with Grape Encounters for, what, four weeks? We started last week, and we were in Sonoma County, had a great time there, but now we are up near the California-Oregon border, and all of this is courtesy of My Way. That's M-I-G-H-W-A-Y. They're the number one RV rental company in the world. And they've put together a program that is really, really very special where you can go on the road and you can rent one of their incredible RVs and you can go to all kinds of great wine country destinations. As a matter of fact, through some special arrangements that they have with some other companies, you can actually stay at a vineyard overnight in your RV for just pennies. It's really, really really cheap to do this. And what a great time we have in store for you. Now, uh, every year we like to take one or two really special trips. So uh, in the past, we've taken you to places like Bordeaux. We've been, of course, to the Napa Valley. We've been to the Finger Lakes up in upstate New York. We've been all over the globe, but you know, we've never been able to put together a trip where we did it in an RV, and that's been something that I've wanted to do for a really super long time. I just have always thought that this was a great idea. And then when I heard about the program that My Way has, I said to myself, oh my gosh, self, we've got to absolutely do that. So uh, we took off from uh, our home base on the Central Coast in California, and we actually left at 3 o'clock in the morning. We drove up to the San Francisco Bay Area. We picked up our 24-foot RV from My Way. And then we uh, headed first up to Sonoma County, spent a couple of days there. And now we're in Eureka, which is just a really cool city, which has all of these amazing Victorian buildings. If you haven't seen it, it's definitely a place that you've got to put on your bucket list to go visit because it's really, really super incredible. And the destination today that we're at is the Carter House Inns which is just an amazing, beautiful place to stay. But what's really super special about it is they have a restaurant, and in their restaurant, they have one of the top 10 
wine lists in all of the world. Uh, It's just an extraordinary list. So we're going to spend some time here, but more importantly, we're going to go into the wine cellar of the Carter House Inns, and we actually get to fondle some bottles, some of which are like $20,000 a piece. Can you even possibly imagine that? Now, I've got to be honest with you, uh, we had initially planned on spending every single night in the RV, but when my friend Mark Carter, who is a seven-time winner of perfect scores from Robert Parker, offered to let us stay in one of his suites, it was an offer that we simply couldn't turn down. So they turned down the sheets for us. We spent some wonderful time in the hot tub before retiring for sleep, got a great night's sleep on the most comfy bed you could possibly imagine. And now we're ready for our journey into the wine cellar. Now, Mark can't be with us today, but we are up in Eureka, California, which is like about as far away from anything as you can possibly get (laughs) in the state of California. And that laughter with me is Daniel Daggerat. He is the general manager here at Carter House Inns and Restaurant 301. And Daniel, I'm so glad to be here, first of all. Thank you very much actually for hosting us last night. We came up in the RV because we're on the road with Grape Encounters in the My Way Grape Encounters Wine Chaser RV. (laughs) Did you see it out front? I'm surprised you didn't tow it away because, you know, (laughs) you're a a, a big fancy and we've got the RV out there blocking the views. But (laughs) thank you very much for letting us put it on the street out there. Yeah, welcome. It's very nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. So you've been here about how long now? I've been here for about three and a half years. Okay, but you're a chef by trade, and you were actually a chef here too, weren't you, at one point? Yes, I was. Or did you just develop the menu here? Well, I was the chef here for about two years before Mark asked me to uh, transition into the general manager role and oversee the hotel operations as well as the restaurant. So I've still got my fingers in the restaurant and in the kitchen, but most of the day-to-day is taken care of by my sous chefs. So I've got the wine list sitting here in front of me, and I mean... What kind of an honor is it for you to oversee a wine collection like this? I mean, let's understand, I think, the makeup of this. This was Mark's private passion, right? Uh, Originally, back in the 80s, he started collecting wine. Yep, absolutely. And then it became available to the restaurant here, right? And uh, obviously, we've always been selling wine in the restaurant, and Mark slowly built the collection. And then when he found out about the Grand Award, he was like, well, that's something I want. I'm going for that. Yeah. And uh, from talking to him, it, it sounds like it took him about 10 years to get the collection up to the point when he first received a grand award. It's, it's unbelievable. So I, I'm looking here. I don't know how many pages this is. It's like a gazillion it's, it's pages. It's 98 pages. It's 90, <laughs> and it's 98 legal size pages, That's or maybe correct. even a little bit bigger than legal size, I'm thinking. It looks like it's about 16 inches and single-spaced, and every wine that you would ever want to make yourself happy is in here with wines going up as much as like 20 grand. Yeah. What's the most expensive thing on the menu? And I'd like to order that, please. (laughs) Mark said, help yourself to a bottle of wine. He didn't say which one. (laughs) There's some great Romani Contis in there at a wonderful price point. I'd love to sell some to you. (laughs) (laughs) So, but, but but, I mean, seriously, there's, I was looking last night, we had dinner here. We stayed in the the room. It was fantastic. But I mean, do people come in and spend $10,000 $10,000 for a bottle of wine? Or, or or is it more collectors that are buying something they're going to take with them? How does that work? Well, we really try and only sell on-premise because part of the point of this list and this collection is, is for people to enjoy themselves. Right. And we want them to enjoy themselves in the restaurant and have a wonderful meal and a wonderful bottle of wine 
and there's some wine in here that you just can't get anywhere else. Right. And there's something in there for everybody for sure. Now, we're definitely not selling $10,000 bottles of wine every day, but we do get some people up every now and then who are kind of high rollers and want the more expensive stuff. Mostly for us, the sweet spot is right around 350 or 400 a bottle. Do people come here just for the wine list? Absolutely, yeah. They do? Yeah. We have many, many guests who come to stay in a hotel because they've seen the wine list in Wine Spectator or they're familiar with the wine list from somewhere else. I have guests all the time that I talk to who say, we were driving through Eureka and realized that you were here and we had to come in and stay here. Let's talk about the Carter House Inns, plural. Mark has done an amazing job of buying up the town or building the town of Eureka. I mean, That's to for me, sure, yeah. I mean, I can understand why they call it Eureka. But right here, we're in the main inn right now, right? And this has how many rooms? There's 23 rooms in this building. And how, how old is this building, by the way? This is not an actual old Victorian, but there are no. some that are part of the property, No, this correct? building was built in the early 80s. The Carter House that's kitty-corner to us was also built in the early 80s. That's an architectural recreation. So I want to just say this is, this is Victorian land here. It is. And I think they call this, what, the Fredericksburg of the West, or I've, I've seen that someplace. <laughs> yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. There are, I think, uh, well over like 1,500 buildings of historical significance here in Eureka. Yes, and right up the street from us is the, the Carson Mansion, and that's one of the most photographed buildings in the United States. Where Johnny Carson lived. Yeah, yeah, that's no, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, and that's one of the most photographed what now? That's one of the most photographed buildings in the United States. Is that the, the bluish-colored building that I saw? It's the big green building. Green, yeah, yeah, kind, yeah, of, yeah. kind of a green color, yeah. Right, so that, that was uh, built by one of the local uh, lumber barons back in the way 1870s. Back, way back yeah. when. And it's incredibly ornate. Do you know why so much Victorian here? Is it just the era? I mean, other parts of California, yeah, there are some pockets of Victorian building that went on, but nothing like right here. I can make an educated guess, but I'm speaking outside of my area of expertise. But it probably has to do with the fact that the boom times in Eureka happened in the 60s, 1860s, 70s, 80s. Lumber industry was huge here. So they had money. They had a lot of money. They could build whatever they wanted. They could build whatever they wanted. And they had and a were, lot of wood. And they had a lot of wood. <laughs> okay. And there were a lot of people moving into the area to work in the mills. Hey, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters and Daniel Daggerat here at Carter House Inns in Eureka. Just a second. Stay with me. This is going to be the thrill of a lifetime for me. I am not joking. The thrill of a lifetime. I cannot wait to go into this wine cellar owned by my friend Mark Carter. Oh, my gosh. What a dream come true. So, just what is a grape encounter? It's when wine is the catalyst of a really great time. Your grape encounter with David Wilson will continue in just a moment. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Karya into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, 
free trade chocolate-covered walnuts. And for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time, John Wagner, along with his charming wife, Jill. John was always the smartest kid in school, and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and luscious Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets, and they have the scores to prove it. Log on to peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. You can buy their wines online, which means it'll be the best time you ever spend on the Internet. Go to peakranch.com. Like certain wines, he's syrupy, sweet, and has long legs. Here's David Wilson. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and we are in Eureka, California. We have stopped here in our My Way Grape Encounters Wine Chaser RV. And in just a little bit, we're going to go down into the Carter House Inn's wine cellar. They've got one of the top 10 wine lists in all the world, and I get to see this wine collection firsthand. We were talking about Eureka. What an incredible town this is. So many incredible Victorian structures to look at, but it's not just known for its historic architecture. It's been a long-time seaport and it's one of the most important fishing areas in all of the West Coast. And what's really cool is the incredible oysters that you can get here. We're here with Daniel Daggerett. He's the general manager of the Carter House Inns. And man, Daniel, you've got some mighty fine shellfish here. We grow most of the oysters grown commercially in California. I, I got to tell you something. I had oysters last night in the restaurant and I thought I was going to die you could pick like six or 12 oysters and you could get each one of them prepared a different way. There's a long list of oysters served cold and oysters served hot. And it starts with oysters, Rockefeller, and it gets more exotic from there. There wasn't one that wasn't absolutely crazy delicious. And I had it with a blend made by Mark that was just, you know, by the glass and it was just tremendous, crazy good. And maybe the best oysters I've ever tasted, the way they were prepared. Thank you. I hope that was your recipe. Many of them are. Some of them have been contributed by other cooks because I like everybody to kind of pitch in and contribute. 
So anyway, the the, the thing I, I really want to stress is is that if you're if you're doing a long tour, especially if it's wine centric, and you're coming up from Napa or Sonoma, and then you're headed headed up to Oregon like we are, this is a place you want to stop. This, this, is a, this is a place you have to stop. You have to stop here. Yeah. And I'm not just talking, by the way, about the Carter House Inns, but I'm talking about, in general, this town, there's a lot to do here. It's a fairly good-sized town, by the way, too. But there's just so much to see and do here. As a matter of fact, I think we may be changing our schedule and staying an extra day just because, as we kind of looked around, it was like, wow. You should definitely stay an extra day. Why would we, why would we want to move on when we've got this at our fingertips? But it's astounding to me how much culture there is in this little area that I think most people, when they, this is Humboldt County, right? It is. Okay. So people think pot here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot more going on than just pot. I'm just, I had to say it. I had to ask the question, (laughs) right? I mean, this was the pot capital of the world before it became legal and everybody's, oh, whatever, pot, let's move on. Let's do wine instead. Um, (laughs) But if you're making that leap and you're coming up the 101, this is the place you bring your, first of all, bring your wines that you picked up in Napa and Sonoma, stop here. This is a great eating town, I assume, as well, especially for seafood, right? Wonderful restaurants in town, yeah. And and the first stop, of course, is going to be the car. And I'm not doing a a commercial for the Carter House, but I I do want to say, you know, Mark is a guy who is so fastidious about about everything that he does. And if you can imagine this, and, and I didn't even realize this until a couple of days ago when I was talking to him, and he's now amassed seven I think it is 100-point, perfect 100-point scores yeah. from Robert Parker. And that's got to be a record of some sort. It's pretty phenomenal. It's unbelievable. And I remember, you know, the first time that I tasted his wines, and it was really funny because at the time, his now wife was his girlfriend, and she had put out this really cool book, and I covered the book. And she oh, you got to meet my boyfriend, Mark. And he brought a bottle of wine, and it was like, Oh, my God. <laughs> it was from the Coliseum Vineyard. I remember that. Oh, I love, yeah. yeah and, and I it, love the Coliseum block. And it was just like the most outstanding, outrageous, delicious wine I had ever. I said, oh, my God, this guy's like a crazy superstar. And he had actually kind of posthumously got his first 100-point score where Parker's people come back and they revisit wines from, you know, a a prior decade, I guess is how that works. And that that was his first. But then it just was like one after another after another. Crazy. And he's worked with, you know, some great people who I've also interviewed, like Niels Vanga. Have you met Niels? I have not, no. Oh, yeah. He's superstar too. All right. So here's the deal. I've been given permission I hope you've been told this. Yes. Right? Yeah. I get to see the cellar. Yeah, we're going to go check out the cellar. So we're going to put on hard hat helmets, right? And then I have to take an oath of secrecy. Yeah, I'm going to be blindfolded. I've Is that some, correct? I have some black sacks I need to put over your head. Okay. And then we're going to go down something like 300 feet below the Earth's surface, something like that. Take the it's just about e- that, yeah. elevator. We go down a long corridor, and, it, and they play that music from, from Get Smart, right? Because yeah. <laughs> this is a big secret where yes. the wine is at, right? It is. And we're going to see some of the – not some of – we're going to see the greatest wines in the world. You're going to see them all. They're all there. Yeah. Uh, some, some I've never even dreamed of laying eyes on. We have wines that you can't get anywhere else in the world. Do unpretentious people like myself ever come in and buy those wines? All the time. 
They do. Most of our clientele are real, chill, casual people who just want to hang out and have a nice dinner and have a nice bottle of wine. So do they sit there in blue jeans and drink well, this a $10,000 bottle of wine? Is that this normal? This is Humboldt County, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Like I don't have to put on a tux. No. Okay, all right. I, hey. I've had guys come in and cut off some Birkenstocks and drop $3,000 on a bottle of wine and drink it by themselves. No kidding. Okay. All right. So we're with uh, Daniel Daggerat. He's the general manager at Carter House Inns and uh, Restaurant 301. We are in Eureka, California. Oh, my gosh. And talk about Eureka. We're going to go down into the wine cellar. I'm not even allowed to know where we're going. That's the rules, but I'm going to follow the rules. I've got this list here. Again, uh, Daniel, how many pages? Again, like 80-some-odd pages? 98 pages. 98 pages of wine. And I, it's like any place you go, you just stick your finger in. And, oh, it's funny. Like, I, I stuck my finger in, and what do I find? NB Wines, which is owned by Mark. <laughs> funny, the most expensive wines in here are his. <laughs> no, there's some really, really amazing things in here. And you're going to, I get to walk around and look at them in a second? Yeah. Oh, do I get to hold one in my hands? Sure, we can pull a couple out of the racks. Now, what happens with servers? Okay, I, I got to ask this really quickly. Server goes and grabs a bottle of wine that's thousands of dollars. There's some special training, right, in terms of how do you carry it? There is, yes. And then we have a whole procedure for, for getting wines out of the cellar. There's a little form that they have to fill out for each bottle and drop into our, our pull box. And then those get, all get verified by me. I would think that, you know, you could get one of the, You know those things that mothers wear? It's like that papoose kind of thing you wear. Oh, yeah, that's a good the, idea. The baby over your <laughs> chest like that because you don't want to hurt the baby. You know, a baby's worth more than any of those wines for sure, right? Yeah, yeah. So why not get some of those and have your servers put the... It's a, what a papoose, I think it's what it's right. called, right? And put the wine in a papoose just to be on the safe yeah, side. That's not a bad idea. Because <laughs> you drop one of those bottles, there go the entire profits for the whole place for the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We've got to take a little break here. We're going to be back in just a second with my very special guest, Daniel Daggerett, the general manager of the Carter House Inns in Eureka, California. We're going to go down deep into the wine cellar where they store the wines that are on one of the top 10 wine lists in all of the world. Can't wait to do that. So stay with me. We'll be right back in just a second with more Grape Encounters Radio. The Central Coast of California is world-renowned for exceptional wines, but it's also one of the most vibrant and alluring travel destinations in America because the wide range of things to see and do here is absolutely astonishing. From stunning beaches to breathtaking hiking trails to world-class dining, artisan craftswork, and so much more, California's Central Coast is addictive. For those visiting this magical region, there's no better place to call home base than the city of Atascadero. Atascadero is perfectly centered in the middle of everything you'll want to see and do while you're here. A true slice of Americana. The locals here are eager to welcome you, and the accommodations are plentiful, comfortable, and affordable. Atascadero is a 365 days a year destination with mild winter weather and mostly sunny days, even when the rest of the country is bundled up. For more information about the warm and welcoming town of Atascadero, log on to visitatascadero.com. Discover the California Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we like to think of every wine country as home. However, our studios are located in the very friendly town of Atascadero, California, where fine wine can be found in every direction, which means you never really need directions to get anywhere you really want to go. back with Grape Encounters Radio. We've taken the elevator deep down. I think we were in an elevator. Daniel Daggerad is here, the general manager of Carter House Inns. I, we could have gone up or down for all I know, right? It's a mystery. No one knows. Yeah, and you kept uh, going like this. You had your hand over your face going, <laughs> like that, pounding my head and making me spin in circles. But now we're in the red room. Yes. Red room. Red room. <laughs> okay. Now, I'll tell you what, if Jack Nicholson had had a red room like this, uh, the, the Shining would have turned out completely differently, I think. It would have been a whole different movie. Gosh, look at this. You just let me hold a 2010 Romani Conti. Yes. And the price is way up there. Yeah. Can we? Well, it's on the list. We can say it's $20,000. Yeah, it's $20,000. Yeah, and you're just like looking at me shaking while I'm... <laughs> but, but, you know, that's a lot of responsibility for a server to, you know, put on the hard hat and yeah. you know, trench coat and the whole thing, get the bottle and bring it here. You don't worry about it. I don't. And if they sold a, b- a bottle that expensive, they would probably come and ask They for would help. come and get you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And plus, that would be the right thing to do. Yeah. Whoever the ranking person is in the hotel would serve that bottle, I would think. Or, you know, yes, absolutely. Or would you fly Mark up here on a private jet and have him serve it? You know, if they bought two bottles, I'd give Mark a call and see if he could make it up here and open it for him. Would you actually do that? Or are you just joking with me? I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) So talk to me about what we have here. I mean, the collection is very Cabernet-centric. It is. Cab is definitely the strength of our list. And that's because Cab is Mark's thing. That is absolutely Mark's thing. And uh, he has many 100-point cabs to back up that passion. Yes. And I'm glad because Cab is my thing. And I noticed there are some real good Pinots on the list as well. But I'm not a Pinot person. So as far as I'm concerned, you could just take those off the list and add more cabs. <laughs> Are you a Pinot person, Daniel? You know, it honestly depends on what I'm eating and what day of the week it is. I'll go from Chablis to a big Napa cab. It just depends on, on what I'm eating. Notice you didn't say Pinot. I noticed that. I do occasionally enjoy a Pinot. Okay. <laughs> all right. For, first of all, obviously, it's very hard for a server to be able to say that uh, a particular bottle tastes a certain way. I mean, you need a real in-depth education on most of these wines to be able to talk them up. I'm guessing that when somebody orders a particular bottle, they probably have some level of familiarity with it, right? For some of the really rare bottles or the really pricey bottles, the guest that orders them is usually going to be familiar with that wine or familiar with the producer, and they're going to be pretty confident in ordering it. How often do you get a a phone call from somebody saying, hey, I I am really looking for this particular wine. We're going to be coming through the area. Do you have that? Is that that a common? All the time. All the time. All the time, yeah. And and could they be, they could be from almost any place, right? Yes. And people call with kind of random questions. We had a woman call us once who said, hey, I was watching this TV show and they're drinking this wine called Chateau Margaux and I want to know if you have it and how much it costs. Okay. And I said, yes, we absolutely do have it. What was it? And I told her how much it costs. She said, thank you very much and hung up the phone. Click. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder what what TV show were they talking about Chateau Margaux and uh, I have no idea. All right. So then when somebody is challenged, a a server is challenged with talking 
up the wines? I mean, is it generally that they're going... You have a sommelier here? We don't currently have a sommelier right now. We are looking to, to fill that position. So um, you are the sommelier. So I, I'm kind of filling in for that right now. Our servers tend to be much more knowledgeable about wine than an average fine dining restaurant server. They also know that they should absolutely tell a guest that they don't know something if they don't know it. You should never... Don't make it up. Don't make it up. Never make it up. Because if, it, it, if you don't know, tell them you don't know and say, you know what, I'd be real happy to go ask someone who I think knows or look up that information for you and we'll, we'll find out. And don't call it a very interesting wine. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's the term I hate most in the wine. Oh, it's very interesting. That means it's lousy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> if, it's, if it's interesting, it's lousy. You know, lots of things. So best thing that you've ever tasted? Most exciting thing you've ever tasted? Well... Thing that you tasted that you never thought you'd taste in a million years? Okay. Okay, so I'll tell you about the wine that got me into wine. Because in my early 20s, the only thing I knew about wine is that it had alcohol in it. Yeah. And there were other things that had alcohol in it that I liked better. Okay. So I wasn't super into it. And the restaurant I was working at, the owner gave me, it's kind of a little present bonus, a bottle of a 1997 BV Georges Latour. Okay. And I tried that wine and it rocked my world. Very nice. And I was like, wow, there's something to this wine thing after all. And I started to become interested in wine after that and learn more about it progressively. And I've just, just become a passion of mine. So let's talk about whiskey for a second because we haven't mentioned that's, that's we haven't, my other we, passion. We <laughs> haven't mentioned we haven't mentioned this, but and by the way, folks, if, if you, you're gonna hear a hum probably in the background, there's a big cooling unit in here, and you gotta keep the temperature just right. What's uh what is the temperature in this room? I'm freezing to death, by the way, but it's uh, gotta be fifty I'm gonna say fifty six. You're real close, it's fifty five. Fifty five. Okay, yeah. good. Cellar temperature. Yeah. <laughs> right around there. Yeah. Okay, so uh, so the whiskey, Mark, he wasn't content to make hundred point wines, so he no, decided he that's, had to that's get definitely not enough. He had to get into the the. Do we call it the whiskey business or the bourbon business or yeah, the whiskey game? Wh- whiskey game. Okay, and he and he heads out to Kentucky and he revives an old brand, right? Kentucky Owl. Kentucky Owl that had been dormant for years and years and years, well, more than a century, I think, probably. Yeah, and he brought that back with the the descendants of the original. Um, owners of that distillery, I believe. Cra- so they, they were crazy. Partners. And then all of a sudden, it became one of the hottest whiskeys in the world. Yep. And he sold that brand and then has now started Old Carter. Yes. Which is now one of the hottest brands around, too. It is. How does that happen? I mean, is is, is the whiskey that good? The whiskey or is, is his reputation that good? Or is it both? I'm sure his reputation has opened some doors, but the whiskey is unreal. It's phenomenal. And I haven't had it. You're going to. I'm going to. I, I get to taste it? Yeah. All right. Let's do this. We'll wrap it up here in just a second. and We'll go down and have a taste of that. And then um, I was going to say, I got to head up the road in the RV, but I can't do that now if I have the whiskey. So no. I think I'll probably just stay another day here in Eureka and wander around. Yeah. That's how we do it. We feed you whiskey and wine and you can't leave. Okay. So let's just give you a chance for a little bit of a commercial here for people who want to come and stay here. This is a good time of year to come because it's, well, if you, if you enjoy fall weather, and a little moisture, but it's really beautiful. And we're right here in the Redwoods. This is a great time to come, right? Because you're not as busy. It's a real great time to come. It's what we call the off-peak season right now. So we're a little bit slower. The weather has been phenomenal recently. It's still We still have beautiful sunny days, a little rain here and there. But it's still a great time to go out and explore the Redwoods, to go walk along the beach and uh, explore everything that Eureka and Humboldt County has to offer. How far are we from giant Redwoods? I mean, the biggest of the biggest. Well, that would be the Lady Bird Johnson Grove. 
Grove, and you're going to be about 45-minute drive. Is that south or is that north? That's, that's south, north. Right? That's north. Oh, that's us, yeah. north. Okay. Yeah. So closest town would be what? There's a tiny little town. I don't even know if it's a town. It might be a census-designated area called Oric. Okay. And the, the Grove is just a little north of Oric. Seen it on the map. Okay. Yes. So that's a, that's a place you want to visit. Here you want to come for the architecture. There's a lot of culture here in Eureka as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Wine bars for sure, right? Yep. Great restaurants for sure. Great food for sure. Absolutely. And you stay at the Carter House. Stay at the Carter House. Have dinner your first night with us. If you want to explore some other restaurants, we'd be happy to give you some advice and point you around. So you're not going to force them to eat every night at the Carter House? We don't House. force you to eat here every night. We'd love you to eat here every night, but <laughs> people <laughs> people like to try other places when they're traveling. Well, Daniel Daggerett, what a pleasure it's been to visit with you. Thank you so much for the tour. Thank you for just letting me stand in this room. And now I, I see you're pulling the blindfold out of your pocket, and that means that we're going to be ascending or descending. We don't know. I got a spinner three or four times around, and you're going to make that sound again, so I don't know where I'm going, okay? But but I really appreciate it. And uh, Mark, if you're listening out there, thank you very much as well for the privilege of letting us see this. Uh, you don't bring too many people into this room, I take it. No, we don't. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters in just a little bit. Oh, hey, wait. One quick thing. Daniel, website? Carterhouse.com. Carterhouse.com. That's easy. Okay. Yep. And you can make reservations, I'm imagining, right there you on the site. You can make reservations right on the website. And by the way, I failed to mention that you also have some of these other buildings that are part of Carter House Inns. You can rent the whole building, a whole Victorian. You sure can. Yeah. So you want to check that out. So go roam around. Once you look at this property, you'll just be stunned. It's really one of the finest places I've ever stayed in my entire life. And I mean that sincerely. Thank you very much. All right. We'll be back right after this. It seems like a day doesn't go by that someone doesn't tell me how lucky I am to be able to taste the multitude of wines that I get to try as part of my job. And while that certainly is true, what is also true is that a great number of wines that I do taste just don't cut it. That's why it gives me so much pleasure to tell you about the wines from Peak Ranch, made in the San Ynez Valley on the central coast of California. As exciting as these wines are, I'm especially proud of the fact that they're produced by my oldest friend of all time. John Wagner. John was always the smartest kid in school, and I was always just a tad bit jealous of his determination to be the best. So when I found out that he was the producer of these utterly fantastic wines, I wasn't the least bit surprised. From their remarkably elegant Pinots to their perfectly balanced Chardonnay and lush Syrahs, it's no surprise that the wines produced at Peak Ranch are simply as good as it gets, and they have the scores to prove it. Log on to PeakRanch.com. That's P-E a-K-E ranch.com In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, Walnuts and Wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. 
The central coast of California is world-renowned for exceptional wines, but it's also one of the most vibrant and alluring travel destinations in America because the wide range of things to see and do here is absolutely astonishing. From stunning beaches to breathtaking hiking trails to world-class dining, artisan craftswork, and so much more, California's central coast is addictive. For those visiting this magical region, there's no better place to call home base than the city of Atascadero. Atascadero is perfectly centered in the middle of everything you'll want to see and do while you're here. A true slice of Americana. The locals here are eager to welcome you, and the accommodations are plentiful, comfortable, and affordable. Atascadero is a 365 days a year destination with mild winter weather and mostly sunny days, even when the rest of the country is bundled up. For more information about the warm and welcoming town of Atascadero, log on to visitatascadero.com. Discover the California Central Coast at visitatascadero.com. He's back, and he's not alone. Your Grape Encounter continues with David Wilson and a little help from his friends. All right, we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, and because we're covering more than 1,800 miles in our Grape Encounters Wine Chaser RV, loaned to us by MyWay, the biggest RV rental company in the world, we've pre-recorded our various stops along the way. That way you don't have to sit in the vehicle with us while we sing Bohemian Rhapsody over and over again. Anyway, in the final segment of this week's show, we're delighted to take you to a little family-run winery that's had their share of trials and tribulations on the road to making fine Oregon wine. The place is Devitt Winery, and it's way off the beaten path, so we're grateful that they invited us to park our RV next to the winery for the night. Devitt is located just outside of the rustic and charming southern Oregon town of Jacksonville, and it's operated by Susan Devitt and her grandson, Brendan Butler. And Brendan, uh, Grandma doesn't look too keen about being on the radio. (laughs) What's the deal with that? Uh, For the past couple of years, she's been pushing me. You go talk things. Go stand in front of cameras. I do what I can. So you lost your grandfather recently, and you've jumped in and filled his shoes, basically. Or do you feel like there's still some distance to go before you get into that place? There's several things that I haven't quite gotten completely wrapped around. Uh, Unfortunately, when we lost him, it was sort of unexpected and sudden. Um, So there was a couple of things that we hadn't quite touched on yet. But, you know, in the two years since then, I've pretty much managed to trudge through whatever it's been thrown at me. You've got to feel like you have a standard that you have to live up to. Most definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. Exactly. You guys have a very interesting story. You know, so many times when I sit down and I talk to people who have started their own wineries, generally speaking, they paint this Norman Rockwellian view of getting into the wine business. And last night when we came in, you were kind enough to show us kind of the other side of it that I know happens to everybody, but at the same time, they don't talk about it. (laughs) I asked you, what year did you start this? And you gave me three different years. Explain why that is, because that's a great story. Or so it's de- not a great story for you. <laughs> so depending on how you define the word start, we have a couple of different numbers. When my grandparents initially bought the property, it was in 97. So uh, 2001 was the earliest start. Uh, 2001, we planted eight acres worth of vineyard, and it all died. That's not supposed to happen. It's really not. 
One of the things that we did when we planted the vineyard was we used grafted plants. A lot of really great benefits to grafting your plants. Those are supposed to be hardy. They are. And once they get established, they do. You get a better root system. It's adapted to the climate. It does really well. However, the joint between the two, where the two halves of the vines come together, is weak to freezing. And 2001 was cold, and they all froze to death and died. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, no. That's terrible. Okay, so, the, uh, so we replant, right? We replant, and then we learned about the deer population. Nobody they, had mentioned that to you? We knew they were going to be there, just not how badly. Um, they took out <laughs> about 80% of the plants in the vineyard. Oh, my gosh. So we put a fence up to keep the deer out. And then uh, at that point, it was sort of some hard decision time. So uh, we looked into, do we plant the vineyard a third time, go through what's left of the budget, as it were, um, and hope that it all works out the third time? Or was it a cut and run deal? Or And we ended up getting very lucky at this point. Just outside of Jacksonville, about 12 miles from where the winery is, there was a uh, another vineyard there. Um, just had new owners. The new owners liked the idea of living on the vineyard, but didn't really want to do the farming themselves. So we entered an arrangement with them. We took over farming the grapes. They got to live on a managed vineyard. So it was good for them. We'd sell the grapes, and then they'd get a percentage of the profits when they sold. And that worked out well? Um, Sort of. <laughs> you're you're killing me, Brandon. <laughs> so uh, when that first harvest came in, which was a couple of months after we started managing the vineyard, because it was 15 years old, it was established, uh, we uh, learned a few things. The first thing we learned is that if you want to be successful as a grape grower, get a contract before you start planting. Um, and that didn't work out? Not so much. We uh, started <laughs> looking locally. And then uh, we learned that while this area was at the time fantastic for growing grapes, it wasn't so good for selling grapes. Um, this is so there weren't a lot of wines being made. No, 2003, there were probably 10 to 12 wineries in the entire row. So then you couldn't sell the juice. Yep. So I think that it's, I feel winemaking coming on here. Yes. This is when my grandfather decided that, you know, if we can't sell the grapes, we should make wine out of it. And my grandmother's response to that was, sure, you I'm can. I'm going to look over at grandma because she's sitting over here. <laughs> uh, how, how was that decision for you? My comment was when pigs fly. And that's why in the tasting room, there were flying pigs. And even a great big sign over the tasting room bar that says when pigs fly. But it, it sounds like he got his way. Pigs do fly. <laughs> You know, she doesn't say much, but when she says it, you know, it's poignant, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, oh, yeah. great. <laughs> All right, so the pigs flew and you made wine. At what point do you enter this scene? Uh, I came on just in time to pick grapes in 2006. Oh, lucky you. Yeah. Yeah. When the venture switched from just grape growing into actual wine making, uh, my grandfather realized that he was getting old um, and wasn't going to be able to do all of that on his own too much longer. So he decided that it was time to rope in someone else to learn, help, and eventually take over. Um, they approached me uh, middle of the year 2006, and I said, sure, let me finish high school. High school? High school, yep. You're not even old enough to drink this stuff. Nope. Then. Nope. I, uh, I finished high school, uh, wrapped up a few things up at home, uh, finished earning Eagle Scout, and then uh, moved down here October 10th, 2006, had less than a day to get settled, and then out into the vineyard to start picking grapes. Get them while they're young, Grandma. Get them while they're young, huh? <laughs> Give him a nice roof over his head. Some square meals, right? Uh, no, we stuck him in a trailer. <laughs> well, that's exactly what we did last night, and that was fun for us. Yeah, no, it was. All right, so you got your good. own trailer. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is good for a young man just finishing high school and 
Wow. Yep. Easy to clean. Rent wasn't too bad. Kept me plenty busy. Plenty uh, busy. All right. Well, we only have an, another minute or so left. So let's flash forward. Now everything's running smoothly and fairly. Fairly. Okay. Fairly. It's always work. There's always something. You're a to pragmatist, do. aren't you? I mean, you, yeah. You're very... <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly optimistic for a pragmatist. Yeah. All things considered, we are exceedingly lucky. Every time we get some challenge, some roadblock, something to work through, either I can figure it out or we have a lot of local really great people, um, friends we can call in, associates that I can lean on for help, that sort of thing. Yeah. So we're yeah. all very much cooperative, very much helpful. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Wine's available online? We do. Uh, we've got a website. We don't have a web store, as it were, set up yet, but uh, you can direct order via phone call or an email. And you've got a huge selection of wines. Got to try some last night. They were absolutely delicious. What you would expect from boutique winemakers, and it's debitwinery.com. Yep. Okay. Well, nice to be with you guys. We're going to head on up the road and uh, uh, thank you again for letting us stay with you last night. Oh, yeah. Thanks for coming in anytime. Well, that's all the time we have this week. We'll be back next week as we continue our exploration of some very unique off-the-beaten-path wineries in the Pacific Northwest in our My Way Grape Encounters Wine Chaser RV. Grab some chocolate, graham crackers, and marshmallows and join us for some more Grape Encounters a week from now. 